What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Khan, is the Ringer's latest narrative podcast. Episodes one and two launch on June 9th, and you can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast in the Ringer Podcast Network that just purchased their own can of spider tack on the internet. Jordan, I am ready to go. 10 pod suspension. Let's get sticky, baby. This is the official Jake and Jordan talk about sticky stuff episode of Baseball Barbecue. Yes, we have obviously dipped our fingers into it a few times over the last year or so. We kind of knew this was coming at some point this year, but this is definitely the biggest story in baseball, and we are going to officially uh, address it in full. Uh, Later on, we are also going to give Bobby and the Ringer MLB show co-hosts some constructive criticism on their top 25 <laughs> players under 25 list, which was generally pretty good. But we wanted to, to chime in since that's the kind of debate that we that we actually enjoy embracing. <laughs> some notes, some notes, just some minor notes. And of course, we're going to do the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, but Jake Mintz, it is great to be here with you. As always, um, I am excited. Am I excited to talk about the singing stuff? Um, I- Generally, no. I know this is not your favorite topic, but I do think that it is reaching a point now. And and I still think we're at the very beginning of this. And I think that this is going to be a topic in, in the coming weeks. And I think now is the time as we enter this week after we had a few big stories about it last week. We had a couple incidents. We're going to run down that timeline. 
this is about to be a big deal, and I'm very, very curious to how this plays out. So how do you want to go about uh, having this conversation? Well, I do want to maybe touch on quickly why you and I don't love talking about it. We tend to be the, here's why things are good, people. And the problem with that is that not everything is good. In fact, much is bad in both baseball and the world. Yes. And so from time to time, something becomes you know bad enough or notable enough that it reaches a point where you got to talk about it and it's impacting the game that we cover and we are going to do it with the trademark joy and excitement that we bring to all of our other bizarre conversations. And we know the reason that you folks listen to the podcast is because we're not grumpy and we're not crotchety and we approach all this stuff with a perspective of happiness. That being said, Jordan, let's get sticky. Let's get sticky. And as you said, how much we can spin this. Dude, you're on. You're, you're like the in. local uh, news into, today. <laughs> into, into, into something that is particularly happy is, is maybe maybe up for debate. But I will say that there is there are a lot of elements to this that I am that I am truly fascinated by and very curious about. So the reason we are really talking about this is because, you know, we, we went into the season and I believe when we did our, our you know, our, our 20 players that will we'll define the season or however many players we ended up doing, uh, we, we had Trevor Bauer on the list. And in part, it was not just because he signed a giant contract because he, you know, won the Cy Young and he's, you know, likes to tweet a lot. It was because we knew that at some point this season, as we had the memo, that MLB was going to say, hmm, seems that Trevor Bauer and 90% of other pitchers, but Trevor Bauer better than everyone else because his spin rates are better than everyone else. Uh, and he's talked about this publicly and has said he would do this publicly uh, if no one was going to stop him. Um, so the spin is out of control. Spin rate is at a higher rate than ever. And in turn, this is a very big part of the conversation, is certainly from MLB's perspective, batting average has plummeted, hitters stink. Offense is gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these things are interconnected. It is not a surprise that now MLB is saying, ooh, yikes, maybe the turning our blind eye to this has turned our product maybe worse than we would like it to be, so we should probably step in. In turn, the real reason why last week this started to really take off in the general baseball discourse circle uh, was, uh, I think two weeks ago was when we had the incident in St. Louis when Giovanni Gallegos had his hat confiscated and Mike Schilt after the game was basically like, this is not the problem. Gio's hat is not the problem here. There are pitchers doing far more egregious right. shit than Gio Gallegos. It the was an incredible, incredible seven minutes. It was like uh, yes. when Kendrick Lamar dropped control <laughs> and called out everybody in the hip hop world. Exactly. And took and that was Mike Schilt, the G Gio Gallegos. And situation. I would say that that really ratcheted things up. Now, as, as, and because the way that Schilt put it, which is that, this is baseball's dirty secret. This is not how baseball wants to enforce this. That was his take, and I understood that, and I honestly agreed with him in that general sense. But that really started the conversation. Then in recent weeks, uh, there have been some great pieces. Stephanie Epstein at Sports Illustrated had a very extensive piece detailing the state of sticky stuff in Major League Baseball. Eno Saris has, of course, been writing about this for a while. And then Buster Olney uh, really dropped the, the most recent relative bombshell with the reporting late last week that MLB is now going to enforce the rules that have been in the rule books for however many years. Uh, now, what that looks like remains to be seen. This is why we're having that conversation now. So that is the general timeline. Jake Mintz, you are now back from your uh, D3 World Series expedition. You are now back to focus on Major League Baseball. You have caught up on all this sticky stuff. I have caught you up. You have caught yourself up. What is? What are the things going through your mind right now? What is? What is? Uh, what are you thinking about? What are you curious about? Where do we go from here? So I will start off by saying I did buy Spider Tech. It is coming this week. 
And um, you can get it online for like 13 bucks. And it's the type of stuff that, you know, the world's strongest men use to lift the Atlas stones. Like that's what it's branded as, right? It's like if, hey, normal person, if you want to lift a 500 pound boulder, make sure you get this. And you need some help, right? This was a great story. Uh, Stephen Nesbitt and the Athletic wrote about this. That basically, that the, the guy who designed this this <laughs> this substance um, was a a bodybuilder. Yes, that was that was the, the gig. So I was curious enough that I bought some, and I'm going to go to the park this week, and I'm going to try it. I'm just going to see what happens. So like, maybe my first reaction was, "Ooh, I got to do that," right? Like now that I know what it is, like I want to know how <laughs> it feels. I want it like you can't kick me out. <laughs> well, like you can't suspend me, dude. I'm I'm washed up. Like you know, I but I pitched. I pitched my whole life, and I've like I know this is okay, Jake. I've never used sub, like anything, right? I've literally never used anything at all. Maybe I should have, right? And <laughs> right. I'm just curious to see what it feels like now that I know what it is going to be specifically. The other place that my mind went Are you to, willing to consent to a lie detector test? That, that I've never used sticky stuff? Yes. And I, I have, I not only have I never used sticky stuff, but no one I ever played with, I've never seen anyone use it. I think that's maybe why we suck. <laughs> Can we do the lie detector test like right after you get off the bike in Chicago? Like the guy, the polygraph test is waiting for you there. That'll be the most accurate. You're not going to get any kind of accurate reading, dude. My heart rate is going to be He's going to be like, he's actually dead. We should get him to a hospital. And he's not lying. And he's not lying. Um, The other place my mom went to was the steroid era for a lot of reasons. And, And Steph Epstein's piece kind of made that connection for us in a lot of ways. And I was thinking about MLB's decision to look the other way for a long time. And then the shift in that decision to start to enforce the rule that's in the rule book, right? So this was them kind of skirting the rule that's written down um, and allowing pitchers to use substances. And I think that it was understandable that MLB was doing that for so long, right? There was a period of time for a long time where if you weren't doing anything blatant and like, significantly performance enhancing on the mound that was obvious MLB was willing to look the other way. Now, if you were a dummy about it, like Michael Pineda that one time, or if it was like fundamental to what you did as a pitcher, like if you were using sandpaper or something like Phil Necro, right? Like they used to catch him all the time. I believe, I think it was Phil Necro, Gaylord Perry, maybe they used to catch him all the time with like sandpaper and crap. Right. And like, if, Players had done that, MLB would enforce it. Okay, so then that brings up the question, what's changed? Why are we, why is this happening now at this particular moment in baseball history? And I think that there are two to three main reasons for it, okay? One of them, the biggest one, is that as technology around the game kind of exploded over the last 10 years and became standard practice, whether that's like, Driveline style training, Rapsodo, high-speed cameras, that type of training benefits pitchers more than hitters. And pitchers thought to themselves, hey, we've been using rosin and sunscreen for a long time. What if we found a way to gain an additional advantage through sticky stuff? And that general energy and that environment of kind of experimentation and exploration around the game then applied itself to sticky stuff, right? And that led to uh, an increase in different types of sticky stuff that are definitely more effective that lead to the increase in spin rates that we've seen from guys like Bauer, guys like Cole, other players around the league. So I think that's the biggest factor. 
Do you agree with that? That like, yeah, just the absolutely. general like age of discovery BS. Right. Right. And the, and the, and we can get into Bauer in particular in a second, but like the, the arms race, you know, so to speak of technology in baseball is so heavily been tilted towards pitchers. And because of that, like once you can start tracking every single ounce of, you know, stat, uh, every single ounce of, you know, information about a single pitch, now you have the data to test. Okay. Well, how can I improve that? Oh, this means that I get, I have higher chance of success if my spin rate is X. So I'm going to do this, right? There are so many numbers that show, we're just talking about fastballs this year, right? It's easy to say like, oh, well, spin rate's up. That's good, right? What does that mean? Well, you can see fastballs with the RPM of, of a certain number have a batting average like 40 points lower against than ones that are, you know, more normal spin rates, right? And so that's that's not a coincidence. We're not just saying, oh, well, what do you mean spin rate is good? What do you mean spin rate affects how baseball looks? This is what we're talking about. And since pitchers have these tools to build it, you can understand why they've gone about the the, the ways to just maximize their ability, <laughs> you know, through their own physical capabilities and testing and, you know, setting the baselines with Rapsodo and Driveline and all that stuff. And then the stuff that has continued to to evolve into what is now, you know, we mentioned spider tech. That's just I mean, that is maybe one that we now have a name for. But the different combinations that are being thrown together beyond the, the old sunscreen and rosin is obviously beyond stuff like that. I think I struggle a little bit with like the whole morality side of it, because I don't think I blame pitchers for trying to push the envelope. Right. MLB gave them an inch or a couple inches, and they started taking a mile, right? And even though, like, we are certainly not the biggest fans of Mr. Trevor Bauer, like, his desire to increase his own spin rate is in line with what was going on elsewhere around the league. You know what I mean? And so I find it difficult to, like, it is a performance-enhancing phenomenon. Using goop, magic goop, the good goop, hashtag good goop, Certainly makes your spin rate better. We know that. And spin rate, higher spin rate means more effective on the map, right? But like, that's the arms race of it. And this is why I have also have a tough time with the steroid era stuff where it's like, it's not fair to the guys who aren't doing it, who don't make the big leagues and don't make the money and, you know, have to go find another job at 26. But I also understand and don't blame players who do it. Think about how much more money Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer made because they use sticky stuff. You know who doesn't care about that? Their families, dude. Like, think about all that. Like, that is generational wealth forever, right? And, yeah. okay, so what? If they take it away and their careers go downhill, like, obviously, they're going to be pissed and it's not ideal. But, like, you make that trade 10 times out of 10. And it was the same thing with steroids, right? It was like, who is the guy? Like, Johnny Peralta. Remember Johnny Peralta? <laughs> He got like <laughs> super juiced up for one year, had an insane year, signed a four-year deal, paid. got paid. Like that ca that check cashes, man. Doesn't matter how, yeah. how you make that money. From the player's perspective, and here's the other thing, right? The people that are pissed about like specifically on the Trevor Bauer more recent element, right? And I know Cole obviously got his money. If the Yankees and Dodgers want to shell out that amount of money for pitchers that may or may not be using something to enhance their performance, that's on them. That's the Dodgers' money. I can't be mad. That's not Trevor Bauer's fault that the Dodgers are willing to, to take that risk that maybe his performance over the last couple of years was not representative of his true talent level. And if they were to crack down on it, maybe he's more of a 3.5 ERA pitcher instead of a 1.5 ERA pitcher. That's the Dodgers' decision. You know, like, that's fine. That's, I can't, it's not like th that money was going to go, you know, that's fine, right? 
So, but to me, right, the issue is is obviously when people talk about Bauer is, is his his quote saying, you know, being on record saying, I would do this, but I have morals. Okay, that's fine. You want to, if you're sick of what's going on, I understand you change your mind. And then that's what looks particularly hypocritical. At the same time, to your point, like wh- when everyone else is I doing mean, it. Okay, yeah. again, again, I would be hypocritical for $40 million. This is, this is the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you, know, you, you can like, understand, yeah. like he was bringing it up. He was saying, look, this is BS. Everyone's using it. I'm going to use it too. And I just happen to be the best at using it because I have been studying this stuff for longer than everyone else before. And so I know how this works better than anyone else. But of course, he's not the only one. And when you make the comparison to the steroids era, it's interesting because like at that point, you know, we hear the stories. It's like it's it's pretty fucked up when you think about, OK, yeah, people felt like they had to take these drugs that affected their probably health and well-being in ways that as far as we understand the sticky stuff does not that's where the morality becomes a little bit uh stickier yes in that sense because now it's it's probably way easier for pitchers coming up to be like oh you just want to put this off on my on my hands and i'm suddenly going to be it's gonna be easier maybe like yeah it's like it's like it's such a no-brainer Duh. it's like it's the easiest thing in the world and it's also why i think this as a scandal right and i understand why steph Epstein phrased it and the way that people are putting these quotes out there that are saying that this is better than steroids this is more performance enhancing than steroids and that's quite possibly true but as far as how much of a scandal i think this gets to it's going to be hard to override it being an actual drug, right? Drugs that were illegal yeah. in some senses, right? And so that's why I think I'm curious to see how much this actually builds to a point where it is a national sports scandal. I don't think it can because we're already there and it's, we're still not really talking about it in those terms. I think it will get there because I think it takes like an extra level of explanation to to show someone who's maybe not into baseball as much why this is a bigger deal. Right. Because if it was velocity that was going up, that might be a little bit easier of easier. a connection and one That's less true. jump, right? Um, whereas steroids, it was like, oh, now they're big. When you're big, you can hit home runs. Like that's not rocket science. You know what I mean? Right. I do right. think that you make a good point with it not being physically harmful for their health. I mean, you know, maybe they get finger rashes, but like <laughs> I don't think that that's the same kind right. of deal. And like a big reason why the steroid era – like. I'm uncomfortable with how like you and I sometimes celebrate players from the steroid era because of the pressure that that created and the like the legitimate health concerns that then sprung up with certain players, right? Like that's a real thing. That's not happening here, right? And I think that's a very important distinction to make. But on the other hand, I do agree that I think it's more impactful. I do. Because I think that like increasing your spin rate by 200 RPMs isn't automatically going to make you a big leaguer. But I think that's a bigger leap than just like being ripped like you can get ripped without steroids yeah it's harder and it takes you longer but like look at tyler o'neill okay (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no it's true and this is this is just a much quicker enhancer that literally can as we have seen through the data can vary pitch to pitch like this is it is it is so obviously effective it has been tested by actual pitchers it has been tested i saw a great article from travis sochik at the score he went into the lab and did this and was throwing 58 miles an hour and increased the spin rate by 400 rpms like it is anyone it is anyone can can go and do this and hopefully you will you will test this out soon too uh with the old so for real tech. though i'm gonna use this in the men if i like pitching like sunday leagues in central park yeah. Use it all the time, dude. Yeah. Kidding me? Why not? Well, Why who's, not? Who's enforcing it there? Well, we'll no one's out. no one's complaining <laughs> about the style of play in Central Park. 
Well, we'll find out about that. We'll find out. We'll find out about that, Jake Prince. That that could be that could be a risky proposition. But, um, but I like I, how you're admitting to doing it before <laughs> you do it too. So like you're really putting it on wax, yeah. just right off the gate. Anybody who's in the league who might listen to this podcast, well, I'm not this even international a, sensation of a podcast. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not even on a team right. Now. I don't even have a team. <laughs> like it's yeah. just more. It's more of like a an idea for the future. You're but, gonna make yourself a pariah. You're you're gonna be the bower of the league. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be striking guys out with one eye closed. <laughs> Get at me. Um, I I do want to talk though about Bauer in the context of why this is happening now. I do you think MLB starts cracking down down on it if he didn't squawk because like. His tweets about like, this is why this is happening. He was, the reason he went public was probably because he was like pissed about Garrett Cole. Sure. Getting yep. really good. We know that they don't like each other at all. Teammates don't get along. He was from college, did not get along at all. That's why probably he went public with it. And it kind of turned into a thing because he started talking about it in public. Do you think that we would have reached this point if he hadn't done that? Probably not. I mean, for him to be so blatant about it, for him to be, for him to say like, this is a problem. And of course, in the last couple of days, we've already seen, you know, his, his spin rates on Sunday were way down and his quotes after were basically like, look, all along, I've just wanted to be on a level playing field. And like, I no, no, no. His other quote was, it was hot and humid. It, in oh, no, I know. I know. I, I understand. So obviously, let's be very clear. Of course, he was like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Okay. That's very silly. That's so weird. That's very, so weird. Right. But, but we all understand, right? We all understand. That's fine. So we're past that. But we know he's been using it. We know he's probably going to use it less now. That's fine. Right. But again, yeah. Why he brought it up initially was like, this is BS. If I was using this stuff, I would be great too. And he proved that exactly correct, right? And if MLB was going to turn the blind, blind eye to it, the fact that he was better at cheating than everyone else, then so be it. Like that was what was going to happen. And so, but I think it's that. And then the combination of the other big story in baseball, which is that no one can fucking hit. And if right. that's why MLB is realizing, uh-oh, uh-oh, it's cool that everyone likes Pitching Ninja and it's cool that pitchers are better than ever. And it's cool that... We have these awesome pitchers and people do like Trevor Bauer. And there are a lot of popular pitchers that are succeeding from this that are, you know, presumably making our game better. We'll get to that. It is now we'll get to it that. is now affecting the product on the field that we are also in the middle of trying to fix. And if this is part of the story, then we have to address it as well. I think we get to this point, whether Bauer says something or not, I think it, it just became so widespread and so blatant that this was going to bubble up. Maybe he accelerated the timetable a little bit just by making it such a public story that MLB had to do something, but I think that we would have gotten to this point uh, anyway. And it just, that's just, that's just my take on it. Sure. Sure. What do you want to talk about next? I mean, there's like another thousand more things <laughs> we could bring up about this. Yeah. So, okay. So I think that the last yeah. element of this for me is what is actually about to happen. Okay. So again, you know, in Buster's story, it's basically saying like, all right, like now umpires are going to be checking people all the time. Umpires are going to be basically shown video and understand like here's where pitcher x hides his stuff here's where player y hides his stuff because people know this this is not necessarily a public thing everyone knows how this works so now there are two kind of options for what i think there's two paths we can go down and the reason why this is going to be particularly sticky of course is that umpires are now in a very weird spot because they've now gone years basically ignoring it unless a team comes out and says, hey, what the hell is, you know, Michael Pineda is being a dummy, right? It's not that blatant. But since everyone has someone that's doing it, 
No one's going to go out and be like, hey, can you check that guy? Now, if we know it's coming from the league, you're going to probably have a huge inconsistency between some umpires. I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, some umps are just going to go out and throw dudes out immediately, right? And we've heard, okay, there's going to be suspensions. There's going to be X, Y, Z. Now, I would also go back to the Gio Gallego situation where what Joe West said after the game was he basically said, we're taking his hat away so that he can still pitch so that the other team doesn't try to get him thrown out of the game. That was his logic. I can, and which is, I sort of get it, but it's also not helpful for the long term yes. how we're going to handle this, right? And so now this is what I'm most curious about is you're going to, is the inconsistency of how umpires apply it. Does anyone actually get punished or suspended? And then the other thing is, are teams now actually scared enough to proactively tell their pitchers? Well, this we is the other thing that I think we maybe should talk about is that it's not as if pitchers are doing this and teams are like, whoa, like part of the reason that we've gotten <laughs> to Quite this the point yeah. is that it's become so widespread that teams are almost encouraging it, right? And that's why no one yep. wants to call one another out because no one is innocent. And I think that is something I really want to hammer home here, okay? No team is on a moral high ground here. Your team is almost certainly, your favorite team, my dear listener, is almost certainly using something on the ball. Because if they weren't, then they would be calling every other team in the league out. And that would be an incredible competitive advantage, right? <laughs> but the yes. chances are, sure, I'm sure some teams are using more than others. Evidence shows that the Dodgers are probably using it pretty good. And like, I don't want to be this person. But there's an argument. There was like a debate. Like, okay, if I was like Stephen A, and if I was like baseball Stephen A, I would be like, what has more of an impact on the game? The Dodgers using sticky stuff or the Astros banging trash cans, right? Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't. And I don't right. want to necessarily get into it. But it is an interesting question, right? You're just giving that – wait, hold on. As the yeah. producer here, you're just giving that take away for free and not you're not going to actually do it? Well, we can do it. <laughs> that is no, so that, selfish. I think that was a power what move What a media team player no, right I, there. I thought that was a power move from Jake. Just floating out there and then moving on to the next thing. I mean, yeah. Just let's, like, let's, just, let's, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's, let's get – No, this I mean, is getting again, our, We're was, getting our hands messy in this episode, Jordan. Let's just get into it. I was about to bring that up in the sense of like – Jordan, yeah. I'm angry this morning. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe it. The other one I want to talk. I was about. actually. I was actually about to bring it up, not necessarily in that specific takes context, but like when we talk about, hey, fans, don't don't come out and be like, oh, the Dodgers are. This is bullshit because you're probably doing it too. I believe that way more than saying, hey, fans, you're also stealing signs and using cameras and cheating to the degree that Astros were. No, yeah. I think that that was like, yes, were the Yankees and Red Sox also probably doing similar things? Oh, yes, yes. I think this is much more of a, oh, yeah, everybody's doing it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so <laughs> because of that, it does put fans in, in, in an interesting spot. It does make it does bring up the, the question of in the same sense of comparing to the Astros thing. It does bring up the sense of what is real? Who is real? Right. This is another huge thing. Who is real? What is real? What am I seeing that is real? Right. And in unlike the Astros thing, we have mountains of data of whose spin rates are what and when and why right we, we have all that <laughs> obviously bowers the most extreme example but he's not the only one right some guys have you know in bowers case we had five years of major league time where it was like oh you're this okay now you're this right but guess what there are pitchers now that have been using it since the first pitch they came up in the big leagues and so we just think Oh, his curveball's 2,900. Of course, it always has been since we've been looking in the major leagues. There will be some pitchers who 
who are all-stars or borderline guys whose spin rates will drop probably over the next couple of weeks. And we will know. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we, you and I have heard some, you know, bubblings of who sure. that may or may not be. We're not going to play those games. Sure. Sure. But like, you know, it's going to happen. And like, people need to be prepared that like, it's not just like eye rolly, you know, Twitter fiends like Trevor Bauer. Who, <laughs> yes. You know, it's it might be some people we like. Yeah. And I think that that's like important to be prepared. Now, that being said. Bobby Wagner, come back in. <laughs> yeah, here's Jacob where we DeGrom. talk about Jake. Yes. Let's Not talk Mince, about Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom. Okay. That's the title of yes. my uh, biography about Jacob DeGrom. Not Mince DeGrom. No one's going to yeah. get it. That's going to sell really well. It's going to sell to all of the listeners of Baseball Barbecue. Okay. So let's walk through what happened with Jacob DeGrom on Twitter yesterday. Um, Bobby, who made the original accusation? That some Jacob, random some, some Dodgers some rando, like a literal rando. Dodgers rando. Okay. Now, Jacob DeGrom is not on Twitter because he has to focus on being the greatest pitcher of, of all time. He used to be uh, on Twitter, but now he's off, which read charitably could be like, oh, Twitter is so poisonous. And read uncharitably could be like, he would only have bad takes that everybody would hate. <laughs> I don't think he has takes. Like, I don't, no, think, I don't think he has takes either. Yeah. I don't think like Jacob DeGrom has like old, any old tweets. Like, right. I don't think he, he really, whatever. Anyway, some Dodger schmo was like, oh, Jacob DeGrom, like he's cheating. And everyone on the Mets who's on Twitter hopped in and was like, there, trust me, he's not cheating. Like everyone. (laughs) Yes. That was pretty much it. I mean, it was literally like a quote tweet, CC everybody else situation. And it's, he's an interesting case. I mean, I, I know not, I don't know enough about the actual you know, spin rate, like from his career versus college. Like there's not enough data there for me to definitively get on a podcast and say, I would bet my life that Jacob deGrom has never used anything for grip at any point in the major leagues. But he has, for someone who has some of the best stuff in baseball and is throwing over a hundred miles an hour on the lower, he has the, on the lower end of the spectrum for spin rate. So that would lead you to believe that he is not, you know, cheating or using sticky stuff. If you don't think that that's cheating at the level of some of the other pitchers who are doing this. I have a request. MLB. Jacob DeGrom gets one start next week with Spider Tack. Just one. He gets one. Just so we can see what the freaking hell that looks like. I think he wouldn't like it. I think that he's like so he's so particular about his delivery. Yeah. He's so particular about his grips and his hands and his blisters and everything. And I don't I don't think any, as much as you guys say that guys can start doing it overnight. I think that it might be hard for some guys who are who are as like regimented, robotic, and particular yeah. as Degrom are, because it might it might actually do the opposite and cause you to grip it too tight in some places. And then he has had blister problems in the past. But in a hypothetical world where yeah. he's, I mean, you know, what are we calling it now? Because we called steroids juicing. What, what are we calling it? Where he's sticking, gooping, where he's gooping, yeah, gripping. We need we need the, we need the short where he's term, gripping right. it and ripping it like, as bad as no, Trevor no, Bauer no. is. I think gooping. I'm big on gooping because I think. <laughs> Like sticking. unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, that goop the SEO has been taken on that. We we lost, we're a couple years late to that. Oh, not in man. the baseball context. I mean, Bobby hashtag good goop Bobby, is good. Juice like it was a thing before people said he was <laughs> juicing. Like Minute Maid was around. Yeah, but Gwyneth Paltrow didn't own it. That's true. Uh, well, here's what I'm saying. I well, with the Grom, like to your point, Bobby. Like I don't think we need to 
Let's we don't need to mess with anything. It's fine. Like it's going it's going pretty well. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like your experiment, Jake. I I'm in on that. And by the way, yeah, if you look, his spin rates go up. Yeah, because the only way your spin rates go up is if you throw harder. Well, guess what? Jacob Degrom is still throwing harder. As for how Jacob Degrom is throwing harder every year, that's a different podcast for another. We story. don't know. That is, that is a modern miracle. That is a totally maybe separate he's, conversation. Maybe he's eating the spider tech. Oh, that's that's the thing. That's they don't give you a lot of instructions. It's just like, oh, spider tech. How do you use it? Oh, well, if you actually ingest it, it that's probably not what's you get to throw one. Yeah, I would not recommend that. Okay, to anybody so, but the all. Degrom situation is indicative that there are certainly going to be pitchers around the league who are not using it, and some pitchers who are using lesser stuff. And I want to hammer home what is going to make the enforcement of this so complicated is that like Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman, Bobby Wagner, um, Josh Donaldson. Most major league hitters have no issue with sunscreen plus rosin, right? I like sunscreen plus rosin. Like, like Mike Schultz said, melanoma the- is a very real possibility for these guys. They spend a yeah. lot of time in the sun. <laughs> very well, concerned. And, very and concerned. also, but my point. My point is like yeah. sunscreen plus rosin is a thing, right? It has been a thing. It is pretty clear that it is not going to enhance your spin rate by that significant of an amount, right? So like. That, I would assume that everyone is okay with that mixture in baseball. What people are not okay with is Atlas Stone Goop. So, like, (laughs) how umpires are going to discern between a permissible – sorry, discern between, like, an illegal but, like, actually permissible goop and an illegal goop that's, like, a no-go goop. That's going to be incredibly difficult, and I have no idea how. No, well, hold on, that. hold on, hold on. Why are we pretending like there's not a governing body here, Major League Baseball, who could just tell them what to do and is just abjectly failing at doing their job here? Like that, you just identified that there's a line amongst baseball people. We have a we have a quorum here that sunscreen plus rosin is fine, and most people would agree, including Josh Donaldson and actual baseball players. CC has said this a million times on R two C two. So if we can identify that, that's okay with relative, you know, a relative majority of people who think that's okay, then that would lead me to believe that there is a line amongst baseball players, both pitchers and hitters, where they think that this is okay. So why don't they just have a conversation with Major League Baseball, identify that line, and say, if you cross that line, then we'll suspend you. Yeah. And spider attack is the clearly needs- way over that line, right? And so it's sort of like right. some of these home concocted glues where, like, the ball wouldn't even drop if you held it to your palm. Like, that's... yeah. MLB just it doesn't want to do that. They, they don't want to do that midseason, so what, or at least not in the public. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that midseason and not publicly. That line, I think, will get drawn. And I do want to say, then look, what were they doing in the offseason? Then, well, get right. a little busy, a little busy uh, keeping <laughs> keeping payrolls down, Bobby. Um, I think preparing I to say, lock though, the like, players out next year, putting locks on all I the doors. Did. Dude, they were they were they were getting after it. They were busy. I do think, like, ideally, MLB would have started this process like a year ago, right? But then a pandemic happened. To be Five clear, years ago right? was the good time to start okay. this process. I understand. I will say, I think that they're getting on top of this earlier and better than they did the steroid era. I think that it has gotten bad, but we have only had really two months of the current offensive drought. You could argue last year as well. So a year, maybe, you know, half a year and two months. Like they're getting ahead of this before it gets like super problematic like a really big deal you know i don't want to give them too much credit because they're still a little bit behind the eight ball here but all of the reason that we're talking about this and all the news that's bubbling out is because they're saying now's the time to get serious and so you know 
I'm going to give them one eighth of a hat tip for like doing their actual job. Slightly delayed, I guess. There you go. I would I would just add that, like, to, to your point, Jake, though, the enforcement is I mean, I agree with you, Bobby, that in general, it's like, well, what the hell? We all agree on this. So why can't we enforce it? The actual act of enforcing it during the game is what becomes problematic. Now, remember, before the season, even if, like in the first couple of weeks, we heard these stories about how they're actually taking baseballs all the time and testing them. Right. That is where I do believe we are going to end up getting suspensions because I'm not sure it's on the umpires to be able to look at a sticky substance and know exactly what it is during the game and then make the decision and say, that's spider tack. You're gone. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. You I just don't got think. Joe and West, not- like licking his palms being like, Ooh, that doesn't <laughs> exactly. taste right. <laughs> that's not, that's not fair to the umpire. There's is no way the peach? umpires are going to be able to, to, to distinguish that. Right. So I do think that it is, it is more likely to be within, you know, the, 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 the ball testing or whatever, which I think is how this is going to, going to transpire. Um, Release the again, results like, then. Release the Bauer cut. Exactly. But that's where it's going to become like, okay, is that why teams are now already saying, look, it's not worth it. We don't want to lose our number one pitcher for 10 games. Like, cut it out now because they're cracking down. Maybe that's already started to happen. We're but Jordan, out. what if your number one is now your number three? That's the thing. Teams have, <laughs> right. Like, and this is why, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we can move on from, from the goop. Like, teams made investments under a certain understanding of what the playing field was, right? And you said that, like, you, that's the risk that they're willing to take, right? But, like, that's a lot of money for Garrett Cole. And, like, I still think Garrett yeah. Cole is going to be pretty good. But, like, he's probably not going to be as good. And that's a lot of money. And I'm not saying, like, oh, I feel bad for the Yankees. I'm just saying <laughs> that that is a phenomenon that happened. Any final thoughts on sticky stuff, Jordan? I'm very excited to get my spider tack. Very curious what it'll taste like. Yeah. Again, that's that's the key. I think you just gotta apply it under the tongue and yeah. um, <laughs> just make sure. I think you're supposed to take it with a full glass of water and so, breakfast. Yes, make sure you you have you're not having it on uh, an empty stomach. I can't wait to tweet a picture of a like a spoon in the spider tack. This is you how this do, works. You gotta do like one of those cereal commercials. Like this is part of a balanced breakfast, and put like a glass of OJ next to it. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, it is. It is going to be interesting. But again, this will probably not be the last time we talk about hey, the goop. Look at us having having tough conversations about not actually tough, but conversations <laughs> about things that we really don't like talking about. I enjoyed that, Jordan. Hey, we that did all right. Fun. We did all right. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with a a smackdown of the top twenty five players under. It went from constructive criticism to smackdown. I'm we're going to eviscerate this fraudulence. This list. Uh, we'll be right back on Baseball Barbecue. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back here on Baseball Barbecue. Uh, and for those of you who listen to this podcast, you're probably aware that there is another uh, equally good podcast that records on Fridays that our friend and producer Bobby Wagner also helps produce. And, and he, earlier this week, Jordan, they put together a list of the top 25 players under 25. And Jordan is going to tell you why all of the people on that podcast are wrong and dumb. Right? No, no, no. Listen, Bobby, <laughs> as much as I wanted to tease this as a smackdown, I think this is professional. Know. Professional list making makes people mad, Jake. You got to break some eggs to make an omelet, from what I hear. I don't know. <laughs> you did a pretty good job. You did a pretty good job. I know this Thank was not you. just you. I understand that you all put in your ballot. You, Zach Cram, Michael Bauman, Ben Lindbergh, right? You guys, is that I understand you had four. Yeah. For all of the people in lists. my mentions being like, how dare you put Cabrian Hayes above Rafael Devers? How about you go check the list and see that I didn't do that? It just <laughs> averaged out that way. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes. And They're both fantastic okay. young gentlemen who are very good at baseball. So I, we don't have to have a, a lengthy conversation about this. I just want to ask, Jake, you're looking at the list right now. Um, I know, Bobby, you 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 clued us in. We had uh, some slacks back and forth about this. So so we yeah. already had a bit of a preview. But there right. were Bauman, some things. Right, Bauman that, was a little bit, um, I don't know, ashamed that he didn't think of the idea of spot-checking the list with someone else who wasn't just him. So he just fired it off, you know? <laughs> Mm. Which is that that like like a list right there from Bauman, uncut shit. He and I at least sent mine to you ahead of time. Yes. Uh, Jordan, initial reactions. I love Victor Robles. I don't think he's. I, I don't think we can have him on there anymore. <laughs> I think Victor Robles, who I believe is currently fourth on the Why Haven't You Homered Yet leaderboard, um, he uh, just cannot hit. And as good as he is in center field, I don't think we can have him on there anymore. I would take My- Luis Garcia over him. <laughs> Wow, that's I like that. I like that take. Nobody ranked him crazy. except Bauman, who ranked him seventeenth. Jake, let's I, three three things, three major takeaways. How do we feel about the top of the list? I think to to your point, Bobby, uh, as we talked about this earlier, there's really no wrong answer. I think, I think, yeah, I really don't think there's a wrong answer. I'll say it. I think that the top four, you could legitimately argue in any order. Now that Vlad Jr. seems to be the best hitter in baseball, I think you can argue him as number one. I wouldn't do it. Uh, I know they average out to be Soto Tatis Acuna Guerrero. I think those are the four. I don't know how to do it. By the way, of course, oh, Wander Franco, he was not eligible. Only guys that have played in the majors. Um, and, he, and he wouldn't be in the top four. Eh, he might be five. But um, but either way, I'm fine with that. I think you can average it anyway. I would not spend the time arguing. Totally agree with you. I I will say I am surprised that Guerrero was four just because he was four. He was clearly four a year ago. Right. And then he's been the best. He might have been like six or seven. He might have been behind Bo a year ago. Right. Yeah. And now he's like the best hitter in the world. And he's still four. (laughs) 
I just think, right. well, I think that even if he's the best hitter in the world, he he has to be like exponentially better at hitting than Soto and Tatis. Which and especially be. Acuna too, because given there, he might be, yeah, he very well might be. And that would be the argument that you would make is that hit, that hit tool is just never going to go away. But I think when you compare it even to Soto, yeah, Vlad's hit tool and his power is always going to be better than Soto's just because of his raw ability and raw power that has translated now to game power. But Soto's on base is just like, it's unfuckwithable. Like you just, yeah. he's going to be getting on base more than anyone on this list forever. The other argument is like Tatis might be a bad defensive shortstop, but I don't want to get into that. Jordan, we, got, what is no, your... we got into that on the podcast and I believe that I made a, an insane claim that was like, it doesn't matter if you make an error, if you just hit a two run home run in the bottom of the inning. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> trust me. I just watched a lot of Washington baseball games uh, where that exact same thing happened. And that's, it does matter. It's, Jordan it's, more, it's more fun that way. Yeah. George Usman, uh, middle of the list, what jumps out to you? Who's who's too high? Who's too low? Uh, well, the other just overall takeaway is um, I would have zero pitchers on this list. Just if we're talking for the rest of the career, there's no pitcher that I trust whatsoever. I think Ian Anderson being at the top is is reasonable. Um, but like <laughs> I would still take just absolutely be taking Kyle Tucker and Jazz and even Glaber in his in his the frustrating year that he's had over all these guys. Um, other guys, Nick Madrigal, he is a total freak of a baseball player. And yes, he is going to hit 300 for his career. I would struggle to put him on this list considering I don't think he's ever going to slug above 380. I know he's got two homers now, so shouts out to Nick. Um, and uh, if he I hits would, like three doubles in the next week, he'll like double his slugging percentage. Eh, barely. Um, and then uh, we'll get to Jared Kelnick for my bad. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> Okay, mm. I think Helmick's in a fine place here, was, but we'll get to the I guess, pitching hitting debate. Wait, can I really quickly bring yeah, that up? Because yeah. Ian Anderson was the one that we got mad at each other the most about because Bauman put him sixth, which I thought was nuts. But Bauman's take was that the more the the fewer starting pitchers, good starting pitchers who go longer into games and give you like top level stuff, there are the more valuable it comes to becomes to have that guy at a young age who you know is going to give you that baseline level of production 115 ERA plus that kind of guy and so in terms of standard deviation above what the rest of the league is doing his claim was that Anderson is going to be better than Tucker is versus another corner outfielder who has a decent bat and is like an average defender and I can see that I can see that as like a a, a claim for why you would put Anderson on this list which is why I did put him at 21 but in terms of like total value that you're amassing which was the question that we were trying to answer for the rest of their career from this point on which is why I had Tatis above like Acuna. If Acuna was like 21 it, it might have been a harder answer but for the pitchers it's just like they're going to throw 180 innings per year for like 12 years if they're lucky and Kyle Tucker is going to hit like 270 with good on base for like 16 more years. Dylan Carlson so, under that argument is way too low on this list. I would have Dylan Carlson, Jordan, at, like, between, like, definitely 10. Yeah. Like, maybe just under Grisham. And then the other name who I think, like, the names whatever. who are not on this list. Cardinals, who, whatever. Goodbye. The names who are not on this list who I think you would definitely have to have on over Robles, just guys, like, Taylor Walls already. Like, probably Kirilov. Probably, I had Kirilov on my Probably list. Andrew Vaughn. I think I was the only one. Probably Andrew Vaughn. Probably Gavin Lux. Probably Nico Horner. Um, but that just jumps out. All right, Jordan, let's do good, bad, ugly. Let, let's, okay. let's, let's get going. Austin Riley also has Austin been amazing. Riley. He would absolutely be on this list. There's too, many, there's too many Braves and Marlins on this list already. That was a real problem for me putting this list together. I was like, okay. ooh, the, the Mets are going to be in fourth for a All decade. All right, the good, the bad, the ugly. This is the part where we tell you what's good, tell you what's bad. 
and tell you something weird and wacky in the world of baseball in honor of Dan Ugla. Jake Mintz, start us off with some good. Jordan, you know who is good is Kevin Copps. Um, who? Who? Kevin Copps. Kevin, Kevin Copps. Who is Kevin Copps if you don't follow college baseball? Kevin Copps is like having the greatest relief season in the history of the world ever, basically. Go ahead. He is he is putting together a a very fitting tribute to Mr. Mike Marshall, who just passed away recently. Uh, Mike Marshall, for those who, who don't know, uh, passed away last week, uh, won the Cy Young in 1974 with over 100 innings in relief for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now while Kevin Copps, I don't think he's up to 100 innings, but 79 basic 79 innings all in relief. And why don't you read those numbers for me? This is Kevin Copps, a 24-year-old redshirt senior right-hander at the University of Arkansas, the number one team in the country. Jordan, he has thrown 79 and two-thirds innings. He has allowed six earned runs uh, for a 6.68 ERA. He has also allowed six runs. Like, I think that in college baseball, the earned runs and runs can be very apart because defenses are worse. He's only allowed six runs, all earned, okay? Struck out 120 in those 79 innings. He's only walked 15. He's allowed three home runs. He's been absolutely incredible. Uh, He's allowed fewer runs this year in 79 innings than he did last year in 11. He has won the National Collegiate uh, Player of the Year, which is not Golden Spikes, slightly different, but he has won that as a reliever, which is nuts. The idea that like, basically the MVP of college baseball has been a reliever. And it helps that Arkansas is number one in the country. Um, And it should be noted that he went out over the weekend in their regional and just was a joke. In their first game, he threw two and a third innings in relief uh, on Friday night. On Saturday, he threw four innings uh, in relief against Nebraska. And on uh, Monday, yeah, it would be yesterday, he threw seven innings in relief. Seven innings in relief, scoreless. All of those outings, scoreless. He threw a total of, that's going to be 13 and a third scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Over four days. Over four days to send Arkansas to the next round. Just and ludicrous stuff. I believe he's like 11 and 0 with 10 saves also. He is 12 and 0 with 11 12. saves. 12 and 0. I was I thought I was exaggerating. Think about that. That is that is just again, I mean Arkansas is really awesome. But to have to be 12 and 0 as a reliever means you're basically coming in in the middle innings all the time. And those are different games. We're talking about different games. The, the, this is what they say. Call the cops. Game's over. It's it. It's the Arkansas has won. Uh, and he is it is it, basically he just throws the slide. I don't know what the pitch breakdown is, but he I don't know when he found this slider, but he has a slider that is just does not belong in college baseball. It is fitting. He's 24. He probably doesn't belong in college baseball, but so is such is the nature of, of the 2021 college baseball season. Here's the thing about Kevin Cops, man. This dude was obviously with an ADRA when you're 23. And no one knows who the fuck you are. Now he's player of the year. He was not on any draft boards, obviously, anywhere during this year. He's 24, so it's not like he has any leverage. And I know Teddy Kale of Baseball America uh, had a tweet a couple weeks ago that was like, I look forward to seeing Kevin Copps striking out big league hitters in a couple months. I was like, I think he, I, I mean, think he's I more mean, than anybody I've ever seen. Maybe, right? I was like, well, that's insane. But like, sure, why not? So obviously Arkansas might make it all the way to Omaha. So he's he still has a few more weeks less in his season. But um, he's going to get drafted, obviously. I would take him I'm, in the fourth that, round. 
Yeah, I mean, he's not going to cost any. But I guess if there's actually like a bidding where he might actually get, you know, 100K even. But the point no is, leverage, there is like a, there's like a 5% chance he's a top five reliever in baseball. And you roll the dice with that every time. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's going to be fascinating. So Kevin Copps, that is a that is a great good. All right. My good this week is pretty straightforward. Uh, and I just wanted to to I, I know you don't like talking about the Reds, but I got to tip my cap to Jesse Winker, who I got to say has basically never been a bad hitter. I know he's had some injuries at times, but if you look at his his kind of stop and start career, he has been above average all along and is now has, you know, the second best OPS in baseball behind only Vlad Jr. Him and Castellanos are carrying the Reds to 500 as they normally are. Um, but he has just been spectacular. Another three homer game over the weekend. He's up to 17 on the season. Um, and he was he was great last year in, in their abbreviated. He was like the only Reds hitter that was doing anything last year when their offense was a complete embarrassment. Um, and he's carried over into the season and he's he's really, really, really freaking impressive. And he's exactly the kind of guy that in high school, when the Reds took him, uh, you know, in, in the in the comp round of 2012, it was like, this is just a bat all the way up. And he's been that. He, he is not disappointed. And I guess it's because he's Cincinnati. No one gives a shit. But he's been spectacular. And uh, I, I am I am fully impressed with you, Jesse Winker. So hats off to you, sir. There are kind of Christian Yelich vibes here for me. Sure. Like sure. skinny, bat first, high school outfielder who is good and then transitions to being great after half decade in the big leagues. Yeah, man. He is. He is the real deal. So, uh. Just I don't don't be like, oh, he's like, no, no, no. He, he's he's ascended to a different level yeah. of, of great player. So never. All right. Never been a bad hitter. Always had a long neck. Yeah, very, very long neck. Well said. Well said. Uh, all right. Let's move to the bad. Jake, what is your bad this week? Jordan, I talked about cops before, and now I'm going to talk about a different type of cops. <laughs> College baseball. Oh, I know umpires. where we're going here. OK. College yes. baseball umpires who are basically the cops. Um, umpires are just baseball cops. There has been a trend recently, a concerning trend, mirroring an encouraging trend. The encouraging trend, and we'll start there, is that college baseball players and players all across America are enjoying themselves. They are hitting home runs and they are flipping bats. The one uh, in the University of Tennessee game on Friday night was, I think, the greatest 45-second baseball clip I've ever seen. Just great stuff. It's a really good sign that college baseball players are, you know, it's not like they've been quiet, but they are certainly expressing themselves more as the major league game begins to change. And that's great. What's not great is the cops uh, and the umpires. There was a video, I think it was on the Dallas Baptist Grand Slam that happened yesterday to send DBU to the Super Regional. Uh, go ahead, Grand Slam down three. Always awesome. And the dude looks at it because, like I said, go ahead, Grand Slam down three to keep your season going. And the umpire, you can see him take his mask off and yell at the player to run. Okay? And college umpires want to be seen. They want to make sure that if you're watching the game, you know that they're umpiring. I tend to not be a complaint about the umpires guy, uh, especially at the big league level. I think 95% of umpires do a really good job and you never really think about them. Like Brian Onora or whatever, right? He's like, killing it. I have nothing to say about him at That's all. how it should right. be. Right. That's how it should be. But in college, when you get to, you know, playoff time, those umpires want you and the world to know that they're umping, God damn it. Oh, we leaned into the pitch. You stay there. Ooh, runner, did he deviate? Let's all talk about it for five minutes. It doesn't matter the level of play, whether D1, D2, D3, the ump show 
They at. love getting together in the middle oh, of, the, of, of, the, love, of the field. Love that conference. Love that. Like, you know, it's just like I it's it's so it's it is a different kind of um show. And yes, this does happen at major league level, too. But I just don't understand. I tweeted about this. The logic behind why does the ump give a shit? And people are saying, oh, well, he's just trying to keep things under control so that the other team doesn't get mad. Like, it's a fucking regional elimination game. They're not throwing it. They're not about to start a beanball war. That's not what's about to happen. This, this is not, they're, no, they're not sending messages right now. They're playing baseball and they're enjoying themselves. That's fine. I don't know why you care. No one's no throwing at someone in a one-run game to go to it, a regional. It's just, it makes no sense. So... Uh, that logic makes no sense. It's just bizarre. And it's like, it really is like, why are you fulfilling the stereotype that the umps are the cops? <laughs> you don't have to. Like, there are umps, again, sometimes you see like mic'd up sessions where umps seem like perfectly pleasant, nice, funny, cool people. There are pitchers that say like, I love that ump. He's great. Like, you, you hear it. Sheds, that, that, that can Jordan, be that's possible. Just, that's just all umpaganda, dude. Yeah, I guess it is. But that it, it is possible. It is possible. I'm not saying they're all like this. But then when you see situations like this, what, why? Why? He's not Ugh. breaking any rules, man. What are you doing? So stupid. Anyway, so that bad. Is bad. That is bad. All right, my bad this week is Jared Kelnick. Oh no! I don't want to have a whole Jared Kelnick conversation right now, but when you go over thirty nine, you're going to be bad. He's <laughs> over his last thirty nine. Oh, that's why I was also doing this because Jake doesn't actually realize how bad it has gotten. Jared Kelnick has gone over thirty nine. Jared Kelnick Ooh. has been sent back to AAA to work on Jared his Kelnick. offense. <laughs> What'd you say? To work on his offense, exactly. And it's a bummer. Am I worried? Not really. Is it sad? Yeah. Was it frustrating to watch? Yeah. The Mariners fucked this up from the beginning. Kevin Mather made this an impossible situation. Once he said, yeah, we're manipulating his service time, there was no way for them to handle this well. We knew what their intentions were. Uh, did that mean that they tried to overcorrect and bring him up too soon? Probably. Does this mean that he's ruined forever? No. Does this mean that the Mariners should be shamed for the way that this has been handled from the beginning? Yes. Does this mean that would he have been in the big leagues before had they had he signed a long-term extension? Yes, probably. That also doesn't mean that he would have been ready, as we've seen with Evan White. The whole thing sucks. Uh, it is especially shitty when Kyle Lewis is now probably out for the year two, so that's super crappy. <laughs> um, and uh, I just think that it is uh, a case of Major League Baseball being really hard. He, we all knew that he had never barely played above uh, a ball, and that this was always a possibility. And the fact that he had six good games at AAA was did not mean he was ready. And so, while we all wanted to believe, oh my God, he's been one of their best players, this was always on the table. We saw, we've seen this with players before, and we've been so spoiled with the Sotos and Acunas and Tatisas of the world. But we just saw it with Joe Adele last year. This was always possible. 0 for 39 is also just extremely unlucky, obviously. Um, but uh, they had to send him down, and it sucks. But hopefully he'll be back in a month, and it'll be fine. So I have a question It was for bad, you. though. He's been bad. Yeah. How old is he? Uh, 21. <laughs> okay, cool. Exactly. Uh, that is, but, but 0 for 39 is bad. There's no, there's no way we're 0 for 39 is not bad. You can't spin uh, that. He you will can't, be back. You know what I say, Jordan? You can't spin over 39 in front of the local Rotary Club. No, you can't. No, you can't. All right, let's move to our Ugla. Uh, what you got for Ugla this week? Jordan, on Thursday, the Rays beat the Yankees 9-2, to which is whatever. But what was notable about that game is that Ryan Yarbrough threw a complete game for the Tampa oh, Bay Rays. Great. Now, pick. this was talked about on Effectively Wild, which I will say, we just talked about, is the best baseball podcast, easily, number one. And they made the point that this was the first complete game, sh uh, complete game effort, not shutout, for the Tampa Rays uh, since 2015. 
Jordan Schuster. 2015. Yes. And I remember that Ryan Yarbrough was, I believe, the closest to doing it against the two Mariners. separate times. Against two, the Mariners. Oh, and then against the Orioles. Against where he had the, the Orioles, no yes. Where I believe they took him out in the ninth. Um, and he was like, what the hell? I'm in 90 pitches and I'm carving. And it was just like, sorry, we're the Rays. There's one base runner on. We're going to the bullpen. But he finished it. Of course, it was a much bigger lead. And I'm sure they were like, haha, Yankee Stadium. This is great. Just let him finish it. And I love that Ryan Yarbrough is the one to do this. Yes. First of all. The guy um, who opens finished. The guy who opens finished. The guy who th- has the worst stuff of anyone on the Rays by far, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, talking about just general stuff, but he is. I saw a great quote about after him that how he uh, he throws from his armpit, and that's why he can mm-hmm. basically throw yeah. eighty five miles an hour in the big leagues. Uh, he's one of our favorite pitchers, and congratulations to him. So a couple other things about complete game droughts I want to talk yeah. about. Because complete games are certainly down. We know this. We don't have to get into this. The last one for the Rays was, sorry, it was actually 2016, May 14th, 2016. Oakland was in town. And Matt Andrees went wow. the distance. Yeah, would not have. Would striking not have out five, that. two hitter, no walks. Like an incredible performance. Just going to read out the Rays lineup very quickly for you. Uh, Brandon Geyer. Brad Miller, Evan Longoria, Corey Dickerson, Steven Souza Jr., Logan Morrison, Steve Pierce, Kevin Kiermeyer, Hank Conger. Uh, Billy Burns led off for Oakland. So it has been a minute since then. I also then was like, oh, well, the Rays had the longest drought. So now who has the longest drought instead? And the answer is the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, they, depending on how you cut it, it's dep- they're still the longest. They have two that you could talk about. Uh, on May 18th, 2019, uh, Ryan Firebrand, Fi- Fierbend, uh, had a Fierbend, yes. Fierbend had a four-inning complete game in a rain-shortened loss knuckleballer. against Ryan knuckleballer Fierbend. against uh, Lucas Giolito and the White Sox. Lucas was great in five, uh, and Fireband was not good in four, but they lost. He didn't need to pitch the last inning. So they that's technically the most recent complete CG. game for the Blue Jays. CG. But if we're going to toss out that boo shit, you have to go back to April of 2017, which is a long time ago. Marcus Stroman, complete game, seven hits, uh, five Ks for the Blue Jays in 2017. Uh, the Blue Jays had Ezekiel Carrera batting second in that one. Last point. So I was like, okay, well, complete game for the Rays. You know who didn't have a complete game for the Rays? Blake Snell. Blake Snell, not only did he not throw a complete game for the Rays, uh, in that World Series game, he never threw a complete game for the Rays, ever. He has zero career complete games. And that got me thinking, is he the only starter in baseball history to win a Cy Young who has never thrown a complete game? Wow. And, I, and I'm like, I came up with this idea two minutes before we started recording the pod, and I'm like <laughs> 90% sure that he is. I went back the last 10 years, and before that, everyone had complete games all the time. So I think Blake Snell is the only starting pitcher in major league history to win the Cy Young to never throw a complete game. Um, Shane Bieber won the Cy Young last year and did not throw a complete game in the season in which he won the Cy Young, which is like a slightly different thing. Sure. But that I'm sure that's happened. That, that's yes. Yeah. But yeah, there you that's go. Great. Blake Snell. Wow. And uh, Blake Snell still looking for it, right? He certainly has not thrown one and he's certainly looked, you know, he's had his ups and downs in San Diego, but there you go. That's a very, very good fun fact. It was quite the journey. Good, good yeah. uglo there. Thank uh, you. My uglo is way simpler, uh, and I know we're, we we gotta we gotta get moving here. We're running a little long, so uh, I'll keep it quick. 
basically, I was looking at the Cardinals, and I was like, oh, how have the Cardinals been? Okay, they've been decent. Okay, why have they been good? Okay, Tyler Neal's been awesome. Arnaud's been awesome. And holy shit, Alex Reyes. Alex really? Reyes has been amazing, right? Love it. Alex Reyes is, has had the most appearances he's been. He's appeared in 27 games, which is most of the National League. His ERA is .9, okay? He's striking out a shit ton of batters. But then I was like, okay, so then I pulled up the Fangraphs War Reliever leaderboard. So I was like, where's Alex Reyes? It's like, is he not throwing enough innings? As, as one does, you're looking at Reliever War, right? Where's Alex Reyes? Where's Alex Reyes? Like, I keep scrolling. I keep scrolling down. I can't find him. I can't find him. I'm like, what's the problem? I was like, oh, he's walked 27 guys in 30 innings and somehow still has a .9 ERA. Yes, he's walking, I believe, twenty over 20% of the batters he's facing, which is basically unprecedented for a full season um, in, in major league history, let alone for someone under a one ERA. So it made me both more excited to tune in to Alex Reyes and also understand how much longer he can keep his ERA under one because uh, it is quite the high wire act he is making. But I love to see it because that is an arm that was so, 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 so hyped. And I'm glad he has found a role in the bullpen, even if he is walking every other guy that he faces. So cheers to you, Alex Reyes. We'll see how long you can keep it up. Good podcast, Jordan. This was a lot of fun. Um, it was. It's good to be back in New York City. I know we talked about it, I think, on last show that I drove. Uh, <clears throat> since last show, I drove to Iowa uh, and back to watch Division Three college baseball, if you want to hear about that. We do have another podcast where we only talk about Division Three baseball. I promise that if you're listening to this, you will not enjoy that podcast. But if you want to hear about my trip to Iowa, you can do so on there. I'll also probably be writing about it at some point. Uh, that is it. Thank you to Jake Mintz for co-hosting this episode with me. Thank you to Bobby Wagner and Mike Wargon for producing this episode of Baseball Barbecue. Thank you to Spider Tack for being an important part of a balanced breakfast.